friend. Thanks for stopping in here at the Field and Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and I'm really glad you're you're here today or in every day that you stop in. Um, it means a lot to me, all the wonderful uh, messages and um, outpouring of support for all the work we're doing here at the Gardener's Workshop, where our mission is to help folks at all levels to learn how to grow and even sell cut flowers, whether you want to have a little cutting garden in your backyard or if you want to start, expand, or scale your cut flower growing business. That's what we're all about, and I appreciate you being here with me. If you want to learn more about the work that we're doing here at the Gardener's Workshop, you can find um, all kinds of good stuff over there um, on our website, thegardenersworkshop.com. Bunches of free resources as well as our online courses and our online garden shop where we sell the same tool season supplies that I use in my garden. And you hear us talk about and refer to um, here on the podcast. So friends, today we're talking about I named this step one, managing you. And there is no more difficult (laughs) step than this step, friends. And I am speaking from firsthand experience here. Um, There's only one person in this world that can change the way things are going for you or your business or the hope of building a business, and that is you. And I can tell you that my impulsive response to this statement that was made to me many years ago was, oh, but you don't understand. You don't know what's going on with me. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know, you don't know. I mean, I had a whole big old list of them, folks. But in fact, um, we are all faced with making choices, and it all comes down to us. And, you know, before we dive into this a little bit more, the point of going into business is because we wanted to be our own boss. We wanted to do what we thought. I mean, how many times have you been working for somebody else and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I would do that so differently. I would do that this way or that way. And of course, that can very well be true. But most often, well, and I'm going to say, I think most of the time, we are all operating in whatever, whether it's life or business or an organization or whatever, with only a portion of the information (laughs) that the decision maker may have. You know, your boss. They know a much bigger picture than you do as a person that works for them. And this, I mean, gosh, I could go down so many rabbit holes, y'all. That's why it's just so significant. I'm already going off script, y'all. Um, So significant to work for and with people that you honor and trust, 
because this is the the cusp of it, right? Is that there is so much more that you don't really know about the situation and you have to trust that person. And so often it is our lack of trust of those people that lead us in a different path, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm just saying that when you are in a situation where you really trust the people you work with, particularly the leadership in an organization or in a business or whatever, it makes for smooth sailing because you get to skip a lot of the stuff that I'm just getting ready to talk about. You know, it's done for you by the people that are um, at the next level in whatever it is that you're actually um, capable of or, or doing, right? So I think that most of us break out of businesses because we are thinking those things, oh, I, I have a great idea or I can pursue that, or you're working with somebody else and you're, you're just always thinking, well, I would never do it that way. I have a better way. And that's really okay, right? So you really are thinking that you are capable of doing it in a different way. So I'm going to say this um, again, and if you've been hanging with me very long, you've probably heard me reference this before. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. And what sets those folks apart that just seem to nail it, they're succeeding um, in what they do. It's like I have a friend, I can remember her saying to me about another mutual friend, not in the flower farming world, everything he touches turns to gold. That's what she said to me one day. Wasn't really true, but it was true. Because I knew this person and I knew more about their business life than the average public did. And in fact, he was very successful. But here's the things, friends. He also had a bunch of failures. And I'm going to like just come back to that in a minute. That, you know, this person that seemed that every thing he touched turned to gold wasn't really so. It was just that visible. Um, and so I'm just going to pause for a moment and take a little turn from us managing our choices. Um, so we all have the same 24 hours in a day, right? And what sets folks apart are the choices that we make. And learning to resist impulsive choices is huge, um, you know, because that's where my friend that I was just speaking of kind of comes in, that in addition to, or another piece of being in business that really sifts those that succeed from those that just throw in the towel and move on um, is the way that we respond to failures. And that's where my friend that I was just referencing, who people say, oh my gosh, everything he touched just turns to gold. It's all about the way he manages his choices and then what he does and how he handles his failures. We all fail, friends. Um, it's 
what we do with those failures that is as important as the choices that we make. And, you know, I want to pause just a second here and say that I hear folks um, speak of how flower farming isn't profitable or it can't be done as a business. And I'm just going to kind of stand up on my little box here and say that just simply is not true. Um, It's not true for them, perhaps, and their choices, but it is becoming more and more apparent every single day um, in the cut flower industry or the domestic cut flower industry, which means the local industry of growing and selling flowers um, and not in, a, in your area. And that can be anything from 10 miles to 200 miles to within the same country. There's a lot of different um, levels of that. But there are people everywhere doing it and doing it profitably. And in my experience and in investigating, it comes down to their choices. And it comes down to what they do with their failures. But failures is a topic for another day, friends. Um, So let's talk about this choice thing, because frankly, you are the one in charge of you. While there are surely circumstances that may be unchangeable or just really put you up against the brick wall, right, with your hand twisted behind your back, but it might just seem that way. I know I am the worst y'all about putting blinders on. Sometimes when I, this is probably one of the hardest lessons that I have had to learn as a CEO leading a company now um, of, you know, 10 plus employees. It varies between 10 and 15, depending on the season that we're in, is that Sometimes I look at circumstances and think they're unchangeable, but in fact, it's my way of thinking about them. (laughs) And that is another great topic for another day. But when I look at what I'm up against as a business owner, it all comes down to either the choices I need to make or the choices that I have made. And the choices that I have made, it may just be too late. I may have already screwed up, made the wrong choice, and I'm facing a failure. But then that decision process comes in of, what do you do with that failure? Do you, you know, pull out your sob box and cry about it and, you know, whine about it? Yeah, I do that a little bit. I tend to not do that as much as I used to. I try to make it a quick and fast process so I can get on to what I know is the next most significant step for me is to learn from that failure and launch from that into either holding it aside for the next time that comes up or to apply it. So choices is what it comes down um, to. So this surely is true in starting or being in the flower farming business, right? Um, So I'm going to just talk about, I'm going to give you, you know, three points of where I struggle and where I see other people struggle 
um, in starting flower farming business because one of the choices that is a struggle for many is restraint. I know that I suffer and still suffer from practicing restraint. Um, And when we don't practice restraint, it can snowball in to a lot of bigger problems. And frankly, friends, I feel like as flower farmers, the very first point that I'm going to make, I think, is the number one struggle, especially when you're first starting out, is to restrain yourself in what you're growing. Because when you over commit to whether it's seeds or bulbs or whatever it is, um, it usually results in a couple of um, problems, at least a couple that I can think of. And can y'all hear Tucker is snoring in the background? That's my golden retriever if you're new here, y'all. So number one is not saving space for succession planting, that we want to grow it all. And I find this to be um, like, particularly when you're a novice and just, you know, you're in that transition period from going from a gardener <clears throat> to the rude awakening of becoming a commercial grower, which is just such a lovely process. I mean, you're embracing your dream, but the reality is that all of a sudden it's not about what you want to grow. It's about um, a business person focusing on what their target customer wants to buy and that you can produce in your conditions. I hear this struggle every single day, y'all, over and over and over again. Um, people don't have enough space. First off, succession planting is the key to having a consistent supply throughout the season, throughout the year, throughout these seasons, um, no matter whether you're a field grower or a house grower, you have to succession plant. And overindulging, overbuying um, is just a really big problem. I mean, when, um, so I'm recording this in spring, it's April. And um, when we get to, like, for here in the States anyway, in the United States, when we get to August and September and October, which is the the transition of a season of the end of summer into fall crops, but also into the opportunity for many of us to fall plant cool season hardy annuals, um, affectionately called cool flowers, which is the name of my book about that group of plants, I hear constantly, but I don't have anywhere to plant them because people are not restraining. They are overindulging. They are overplanting. You know, friends, the the planting area you have is what you have. (laughs) You have to find the way to manipulate it. And um, this is step one. There is nothing worse... um, than suffering through this. I remember so well. I can remember standing in the middle of my garden. This was back when we were, our total space, where my home and my buildings and my gardening was, my whole property was only 1.17 acres. 
And so I literally was squeezing every square inch. I mean, I can remember standing out in the garden and thinking, where can I plant whatever it was that I needed to plant? I mean, I totally get it. But y'all, um, exercising restraint over, you know, you have the rest of your growing life. You know, if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, you have many more successions. It doesn't mean you can't grow that thing. It may just mean it's not time to plant it yet, right? All right, so exercising restraint in not planting out your entire space at the first crack of spring. There are so many great resources out there. You know, we talk about that, of course, um, in flower farming school. But if you need help now, um, Vegetables Love Flowers, which is my book about a three-season cutting garden um, for the home gardener, can super easy be applied to flower farming. It takes you through why successions are so important, and then even diagrams in the back to show you what that might look like. Um, you gotta master not overplanting and planting everything you have in, available to you all at one time. The struggle is real, and I totally understand it. And you just have to remember if you do fail, you know, if you plant it all out and then you're standing in the middle of your garden in July, knowing you have nowhere to plant sunflowers for the best season of the year, the end of summer and fall, beginning of fall, sunflower big time season, then you need to to make the most out of this fail. Um, I have actually been known to mow crops that have not even been cut, y'all, because I valued. It's like, all right, which one is more valuable to me because I've just screwed this up. Um, Anyway, Number two, planting costly crops before your time. And what I mean by that is planting high-cost high crops that mean I actually call these crops high-risk crops. I'm talking about crops that you have to invest a lot of money in to grow. Um, and there is not a thing in the world wrong with growing them as long as you really know how to grow them, and you really have somewhere to sell them. Um, And actually, this is kind of what started me to think about this topic right now. Um, So it's early April, and there are so many new and upcoming growers that have invested a lot of money in tulips, ranunculus, and anemones. Not so much anemones yet. Um, Tulips, really. Um, Tulips are gorgeous. No question about it. And they draw so many people in to invest a lot of money in them, to plant them, and they really are not versed yet in the ins and outs of, this is not planting a few in your flower bed for your landscape friends. People are spending a lot of money on thousands of tulips, and they really are not aware of all the issues. And right now, those issues are developing. And I just want to say, it's kind of the same thing I mentioned in tip number one, or is it's not that you're not ever going to plant those crops. It's that you need to wait until um, 
It is your time. And what I mean by your time is by showing restraint to hold back until you really know the whole story. And, you know, if you want to learn more about tulips, I highly recommend, um, and I will put it in the show notes, to listen to Dave Dowling and Jenny Love talking on Jenny's podcast, The No-Till Flowers, about growing tulips. Um, And, I mean, tulips, I remember, friends, I did it. My tulips, when I did a a run at tulips two decades ago, because I thought, oh, I'll get my season started earlier, yada, yada, yada. Things I didn't consider. First off, tulips almost always come in so much earlier than you ever think they will. They come on quick. You got to have a cooler to hold them in. Most often, your markets haven't started. And if you sell just to commercial customers like I was doing back then, do you really have enough variety of crops to sell along with those tulips to make it worth starting your season weeks and weeks and weeks earlier than you normally would because things you need don't even think about. You got to pull out all your buckets. You got to start delivering. You got to start selling. But guess what, friends? I was totally submerged in planting and seed starting, and I didn't have the staff to do all of it at the same time. Y'all, it is deep. You don't know what you don't know, and I proved that. The hard way. So planting costly crops can lead to epic failures that can cost you a lot of money. And if you're going through that right now, I'm just saying, don't lose the lesson of that failure. Um, Keep it to build on it for next time. Um, And seek out information. Oh my gosh, that's the key is we don't know what we don't know. And then here is um, the last tip. And I do believe um, that this is something that I have a strong suit in, which has really allowed me to perhaps succeed where some people just really struggle with it. And I do have compassion for people that struggle with this. And that is um, time management. And what so often happens, you know, people say there's not enough time in the day. Um, The business is running you. You are not running the business. Um, You know, it's back to that. Once again, I'll say it. We all have the same number of hours in a day. I mean, why do you think that I record podcasts um, and write first thing in the morning? Because I never come around to having time. Um, I don't want to say I'm eating the ugly frog first. And if you don't know what that means, the thing that you least want to do is the thing you should do first. And it's not that I least want to do a podcast. It's that It takes the most time and brain space, and so I need to do it first before I get clouded. Um, But you have to manage your time, friends. Um, You have to really triage. You have to put aside those things. We have to stop um, doing some of these unnecessary things, which we don't know are unnecessary until you learn, just like about growing tulips. Who knew? 
all those things that I mentioned earlier about the fallout from growing tulips. You know, you have to be prepared for all that stuff. That is so true in business. Um, But what I want to say to you is that um, making choices and and using restraint and trying to hold back and slow down and take those steps of, I mean, let's just be honest. If new growers kept their eyes in their lane and followed the steps of slow organic growth, and when I say organic, I mean I'm talking about the natural steps of developing a business, not organic farming growing, and keeping your eyes in your lane learning how to farm, and we recommend doing that by growing annuals, which is the biggest bang for your buck, which is the least expensive investment, which is the um, way you can screw stuff up and not feel like you've lost the farm, like investing in a lot of tulips makes you feel when you lose them for whatever reason or don't sell them or have somewhere to sell them. Um, You know, making these choices and showing restraint, in my opinion, is like the biggest step to becoming a business owner. I mean, you can apply that in almost all the areas of just really showing restraint and holding back and not falling in. And I totally understand falling in, friends. I know it seems too simple that that is the answer that streamlining, stop helicoptering, doing it good enough, and moving on is the ticket. And I'll tell you some advice that I got. 70% is good enough when you're in business. For those that struggle with perfectionism, if you are struggling with perfectionism, friends, it is nothing but procrastination being masked, that is masking fear. You are speaking to a perfectionist or listening to a perfectionist that it's not needed. You're the only person focusing on that. People are not seeing what you're seeing and you just have to do it, do it the best you can and move on to step number two because there's about 80 more steps And this is the time of year, you know, where I see people that are helicoptering over their seed starting right now um, because they don't have all the other pieces going on in their life. They're not planting yet a lot. They're not um, managing their garden. They're not harvesting. They're not processing. They're not selling. They're not delivering. They're not going to market. When all of those other pieces come into play, you are going to be so overwhelmed if you're trying to helicopter on every single step. And learning how to not helicopter on your seed starting is a lesson you will apply over and over again. So friends, do not, um, let's see, how will I say this? You know, practice restraint, the success and failure of businesses most often is based on choices 
and how people respond to the failures in business. And friends, the road to success is paved with failures. It's how you respond to those failures and the choices we make that um, set us all apart. So friends, I hope that, um, you know, this might give you a little food for thought. And once again, if you're enjoying this podcast, I really appreciate any reviews. That just makes the podcast app that you're listening on show my podcast to more people. And that's our goal is to reach more folks. Um, I do want to say that the other part of managing your time is making time when you are in business to learn more about being in business. And that's what we're all about is offering you those resources. And I know better than anybody. I took a course, a major business course several years ago in the middle of the season. And I understand the struggle, but the course actually showed me that my business was managing me. I wasn't managing my business. So that's just a little nugget food for thought as you head in um, to this season. And all right, folks, until we meet again, ciao.